everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your favorite-ish uh, baseball history podcast. I don't want to be presumptuous, but I'm assuming it's probably uh, your favorite. But uh, I am one half of the show. My name is Jeff. Welcome the other half of the show, the always uh, well-dressed Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing great, man. Uh, today I'm wearing my purple tuxedo. Oh, is it so, velvet? Uh, crushed velvet, I assume. It is crushed velvet. Nice. I've draped myself in it. Oh, it feels yes. great. Well, it's socially acceptable from what I hear. I, it, my wife doesn't mind. She doesn't care how I look, you know? <laughs> it's one of those things. When are we going to just do the Seinfeld episode? I, I, we just <laughs> really need to do it because we just can't help ourselves. From Maybe AI can help us write it. Oh. Yeah, well, well, if that's the case, <laughs> my job became a lot easier. Can we just <laughs> have that happen? Uh, yeah, hey, welcome, everybody. It's our first post-season, like post-post-season, I guess, because the post-season's over, but now we're beyond that. All baseball has ceased on the higher echelons of, of baseball. The, uh, the the Texas Rangers, our first-time world champs. Congratulations. And believe it or not... The uh, the colonel can rest easy because the Hanshin Tigers have broken the curse of the colonel and uh, have won the Japan series this year. So congratulations. Yes, we were all going to go out and celebrate. Uh, Mitch was going to buy us Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, that's that's very nice. Now, I do have a bone to pick, though, with these Hanshin Tiger fans. There is Uh-oh. a picture of a celebration after their win here, and it's by the river. There's a bunch of people there, and some numbnuts has dressed up as the colonel, and is there's a picture of him jumping in the river. <laughs> Why are they playing with fire like this? Uh, they're tempting fate. 35 years, they're like, yeah, let's do it again. Or was it 38? <laughs> Whatever. It's a long time. And here, this guy's just willy-nilly dressing up like the colonel and jumping in. I don't know if that's a good idea. I am very superstitious. I'm not just stitious. I am superstitious, so... Well, good luck to you, Hanshin. Uh I was rooting for you. And my boy, Sheldon Noise, Noisy, I'm sorry. Yes. Former athletic, hit the uh, the go-ahead home run in, the, in game seven. Very nice. Yeah. All right, Mark. Uh, well, we've already started BP. Let's get right into it. Mark, if we have brought up one thing on the uh, 231 previous episodes, more than anything else, it's got to be Jimmy Hoffa, right? You know, man, we can't stop talking. It's either Seinfeld or Jimmy Hoffa. (laughs) (laughs) Well, get this. Uh, A group of cold case criminal investigators believe that they have located his final burial site, and it is located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, what? Underneath where the old Milwaukee County Stadium was. Wow. So apparently a dying police chief... Uh, dying police sergeant, excuse me, scribbled instructions on an ace of spades playing card. It had to be. I mean, this is of a little, course. this seems a little, <laughs> a little <laughs> sus, but we're going to go with it. Uh, that helped lead to a uh, investigation, the old site of Milwaukee County Stadium, the ace of spades playing card, which is said this police sergeant wrote on his, uh, on his deathbed, and he was involved in Jimmy Hoffa's kidnapping. So this is like a deathbed confessional. They're given, I can just imagine they're handing him like a notepad. He's like, no, they're no. handing him like a etch-a-sketch or a whatever that, the, the thing we used to write and then you could lift it up and it would go away. And 
And he's like, no. And they're finally, get him an ace of spades. And he's like, yeah, there is. Kind of I the hope un- he had a Sharpie. Oh, he, yes, it is. It's a Sharpie. They believe that Hoffa's body lies in a spot under where the demolished stadium's third baseline previously stood. Wow. They brought in a top cadaver dog, let it go. They didn't just lead it there. They kind of let it go in the area. And it went to the exact spot where they think he is located and uh, exhibited a positive signal several times at that location. No kidding. Yeah. So the group used old aerial photographs, uh, GPS satellite images, and then they ran ground penetrating radar over this location three times. The operator's equipment, though, was not able to detect beyond five feet below because, according to these people, a, quote, unexpected clay layer blocked the radar, which Hmm. they believe suggests a dig had taken place there and was, quote, hurriedly excavated and then backfilled, end quote. Hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to get a I'm trying to get a hold of Geraldo Rivera. I believe he's already on site and ready to go to dig this up. He's going to open it up and see what's in there. Yeah. So who knows? He's done that before. I heard he opened up his rear end and tried to find his head. Oh, wow. Ouch. <laughs> wow, that's pretty racy for this podcast. I'm not. Gonna... Uh, I said rear end. What was it uh, before that he opened up? Some some of Al Capone's Al Capone's vault. vault. That's right. That was it. Was still interesting. I mean, I agree. I actually enjoyed that show. I was disappointed. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone was when he ended up with like a bottle. That was <laughs> like it's a Coke bottle, and it wasn't even laudanum. You know. <laughs> uh, let's see some other stuff here. Mike Gallego. I like to talk about Mike Gallego. Of course, I don't really care for the Ricky Henderson story where. During contract negotiations, she said, if you're going to pay me like Mike Gago, I'm going to play like Mike Gago, because that's pretty derogatory. Yeah. Uh, Mike Gago was a huge part of the A's success in the late 80s, especially in 89. I mean, he was a, a, arm, a Swiss Army knife in the infield, a great defender. It just uh, he was he was one of those guys you have to have on a good team. Right. He's yeah. not going to hit Gallego, home runs. Gago could he, he was the guy that could step up and be a. a a player in any situation, you know, he was a, he was a part player and you went wherever you sent him. Yeah. He could bunt, which was mm-hmm. still, I mean, with those, you know, those bash brothers teams, not a lot of bunting, but he could bunt, could play anywhere defensively. Uh, I believe Chris Berman called him Mike Lego, Mike Gallego, which is yes. actually one of his better ones, I think. Yes. But this is a story from uh, 1989, the world series, of course, the earthquake world series. And uh, this is a story that I found, a quote from Gallego. It's it's a couple of sentences. I'm just going to read it here. So this is a quote from Mike Gallego. Quote, I could literally hear rumbling in the locker room, which was underneath the stands. All of a sudden, the whole place started shaking. This is obviously a candlestick game three when the earthquake happened. He said, the legs of the chair I was sitting on were literally coming off the ground. I'd been in some earthquakes before, but nothing like this. Someone on the clubhouse staff was yelling, this is an earthquake. This place is coming down. <laughs> which got to be a little scary. Uh, as soon as he said that, the power went off and it was pitch black. We're all trying to get out of one door that led to the parking lot. I got about halfway to the door and then I turned around and went back to my locker. Everybody thought I was crazy, but I was going back for my glove. But I just kept saying, hey, you guys can hit, but this is what got me here. 
end quote. <laughs> so true and so funny. <laughs> I understand it. I mean, especially infielders are very uh, peculiar about their gloves. And oh, absolutely. And he's Redeemer. right. That we just said it. That's where he made his living, right? Was was yep. being a defensive guy. But uh, I thought that was funny. Another, he went on to say uh, in the 1990 World Series, uh, they're doing the starting lineups for uh, for the first game, and they're standing there, and he's standing between Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. So uh, Gallego, who was listed at 5'8", he says he's 5'6". He, he came clean. Diminutive. Uh, yeah. 6'4", Jose Canseco. 6'5", Mark McGuire. He's standing between them as the starting lineups uh, are being announced. And you know how the cameraman is down on the field and he's just going right down the line, showing them as they're announced. Well, apparently, and I I don't really remember this. I've got all these on VHS tapes, if I can find a VCR. The cameraman, when they got to him, went right over his head because he was standing between (laughs) these two huge, huge, roided up guys. And so he's pointing up and Mike Gallego, he would have had to point the other way. So I thought that was pretty funny about Mike Gallego. Good guy. Introducing Mike Gallego and there's just a blank. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Ichiro is back at it again. I saw that. Uh, Yeah. So it might have been last year, if not two years ago. I I mentioned a story here in BP about Ichiro pitching against uh, girls teams, girls high school teams in Japan. And he is doing that once again. But apparently... He is also, it sounds like, hiring himself out to uh, to teach high school teams. Hmm. I'm not sure he needs the money. I'm not sure if he's hiring himself out or if he's just saying, hey, if you need my help, I'll go help some of these guys, some of these yeah. teams. Yeah, Ichiro strikes me as the kind of guy that's going to be involved in all, way, all around baseball for his entire life, yep. as much as he can. Yeah, and I also kind of get the feeling he's not hiring himself out. I'm, getting, I'm guessing he's going and doing this because he's a nice guy. Yeah, he, he did all right monetarily yeah. here in the States. Well, and I think his, uh, in Japan, I think his just off the field stuff might oh, have yeah. even paid him more than what he got paid on the field. I, this I is know. true. Regardless, he was uh, at one of these high schools and he's just taking some BP, you know, swinging the bat, showing, showing everybody, maybe giving some lessons and stuff. He hit, and I can just, I hope it wasn't just some high school kid throwing BP. I hope it was an adult because he had a 426 foot home run that traveled over the, the protective screen in left field. I think it was left field. I saw the video and it uh, broke a window in the school on like the fourth floor. <laughs> and this was, this was not tempered glass that is meant to have something hit it and not break. This was just a regular pane of glass. The room that he broke the window in was actually holding a math class at the time as well. <laughs> Which, uh, how many home runs is that for each hero? Do the math. Or, yeah, let's see. You see where he hit it from and where it landed. Let's uh, calculate the exit velocity and the, <laughs> the angle. Go. This is your final test. Hopefully nobody got hurt. I'm assuming pop nobody. Pop quiz, uh, if you were. Yeah. I'm. A, oh, very. Yeah, pop quiz. Got it. Uh, also, shoot the hostage. That's... Always the other answer for pop quizzes. Not sure. No, he's a speed reference. That's uh, still nothing. No. Yeah, you don't like speed. I don't use it. What? Well, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you can uh, join us on the uh, Sandra Bullock podcast that we also do when we talk about <laughs> speed two exclusively. 
And what a great win that was. Uh, I'm a little concerned here, Mark. Uh, Fantasy Camp's coming up 63 days away from the time that we are recording this. Of course, Stephen Vogt has already been named Cleveland Guardians uh, manager for next year. Yes. He was. You, you, were, you predicted that. Yeah, yeah, I was hoping it wasn't going to be this year, but uh, he's uh, the Mariners have lost their bullpen coach. They're going to have to yep. find someone new. But just breaking news: I have not. This has not been confirmed, but I've seen a couple of a uh, couple of social media posts. Ron Washington is being hired as the Angels' new manager. Oh wow! He was the he is the keynote coach this year. Was supposed to be at A's fantasy camp. Oh, okay. So uh, I was just texting one of my buddies. I'm like, I, we're going to end up with like Jack Cust and uh, <laughs> Ryan Healy as coaches or something. <laughs> and he came back with Derek Barton. I I just don't know who's going to who's gonna be there. I'm, I'm a little worried. Yeah. Well, you know, if they come back with a 25% off coupon, not to have high expectations. <laughs> you know what? If if they want to give me 25% back uh, on what I've paid to go to fantasy camp, I will happily take that. That's, uh, yeah, my wife would be even happier. But <laughs> just, get, uh, just saying. Maybe it'll be Ozzy Canseco. <laughs> but it'll actually be Jose. Uh, yeah, like, the, like the conspiracy theory that uh, they switched uniforms and, and Jose would... <laughs> Despite the fact Ozzy had no home runs and was an awful hitter the short time he was in the big leagues. Yeah. Yeah. He was a better boxer. Yeah. And you know what? Jose has been a coach there before. I don't know oh, if wow. he can come back and do it again or not. But regardless. All right. Uh, let's get into trivia. We started this up last week. We're in the offseason now. So we're back into trivia. And it was about uh, somebody that we talked about last week because he had passed away. Frank Howard, the capital punisher is my favorite one. Um, let's see. The trivia question was, during a one-week stretch in 1968, uh, Frank Howard hit 10 home runs and 20 at-bats, and uh, that then 13 home runs in 16 games, a mark that has been equaled but has not been bested. My question was, who, uh, who equaled that? Now, you've had some time, Mark. I've seen some yep. answers roll in, some correct, some not. Have you, uh, do you have any, any kind of guess? Well, if, if I really don't know, so I would just go with the guy that hit the most home runs, Barry Bonds. It's a great answer. Not the right one. But, uh, not Mark McGuire. Not, Ho- not uh, Sammy Sosa. Not uh, Ken Griffey Jr. None of these people. It was Albert Bell in 1995. Okay, I would not have got there. No, I... <laughs> You would have eventually, right? When you're just going through prolific home run hitters, you're going to get to Albert. He was definitely one of them. Yeah. (laughs) So I've found, and I do apologize to our listeners, I had not checked our Facebook page in quite a while. Uh, I just, I don't go on Facebook that often. And I've been busy and traveling, and I apologize. It does look like Brian Krause, one of our longtime listeners, and somebody that thrives on our trivia questions, because he gets it right every darn week. So uh, if anybody else did, and I have missed your message, I apologize. Let me know. I will uh, make sure to acknowledge you in a future uh, sh- future show here. But uh, I think we should institute something new this, uh, this, this off-season, Mark, with trivia. I think yeah. maybe I, this is up for, up for debate here. If a listener correctly answers three trivia questions in a row, in a row, 
they get to they get to come up with the trivia question. Oh, I like that. The one that takes some work off of my plate. <laughs> Not going to lie, is a big, big reason why I'm uh, proposing this. But uh, also because Brian had sent us a trivia question during the season, which is a great trivia question. He has not sent me the answer as far as I can tell. So, Brian, I'm going to really need you to send me the answer uh, for next week. But this is the question he came up with. We're going to use it because he got this week's question right. Since 1954, there have been five Major League Baseball games that have been forfeited. Four players played in the first two, but only one was involved in three of those five. Who was it? Weird. Now, he did give us a note here that the last forfeited game was Disco Demolition Night, which we've covered and I am actually going to mention later on in the show. But that occurred prior to the game. Uh, but this player was in the first game of that. Hmm. Remember, that was a doubleheader. So he played in the first game. The second game never was played uh, that night. So couldn't say that he was in a forfeited game. Okay. Uh, there we go. Five forfeited games. Four players played in the in uh, two of them. One played in three. Who was it? And I don't know. So... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to think as well, but Brian, please, uh, if you could shoot me the answer, that would be great. <laughs> please and thank you. Please and thank you is absolutely correct. All right, Mark, it is uh, one of those weeks. It's uh, Tales from the Dugout. Oh, yes. I believe this is number 36. It's been a, it's been a hot minute since we've done it. Uh, Tales from the Dugout, I think. The popular episodes. Yeah, and I frankly like them because, uh, again, uh, less work for me. And for me, it's the ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need the long attention span. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to start off with one here. Kind of a short. Uh, I've got some short ones uh, today. But first of all, I want to just say Charlie Finley. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> said it. Of all the awful A's owners, he is one of them. Not number one, mind you. That is John Fisher, who I would punch right in the face if he was here right now. See if you want to come on the show. No, I don't want that. I don't want him on the show. You could punch him. Well, if he comes in person, yes. It's not going to be much of a show. It's going to be me punching him and then me being arrested on a podcast. But What are you talking about? That's a heck of a show. Well, and I guarantee I'd be bailed out in three seconds. Oh, yeah. Ace fans would be right there for you. Three seconds, yeah. But uh, let's see. Finley had a lot of ideas. I didn't say a lot of good ideas. I just said Finley has ideas. 1971, the A's are just a season away from beginning their back-to-back-to-back championships runs. Uh, Their attendance numbers, though, not good. And frankly, they look kind of like the last couple of years. They're averaging just over 10,000 a game. So old Chuck decides he needs to get some butts in the seats. And when I say butts in the seats, I mean literally butts in the seats. So this genius comes up with uh, a promotion, Hot Pants Day. (laughs) it's going to be held during a double header against the Royals. Every woman who comes to the Coliseum in hot pants gets in for free. So did this creep fest work? Of course it did. It's 1971. Over 35,000 people showed up for this. I mentioned they were averaging just, just over 10,000 per game. So for this double header, 10,000 women alone showed up. In hot pants. There's a lot of hot pants. But the total attendance was over 35,000. 
That means that the A's almost tripled their average attendance in just creepy guys alone. <laughs> As if the hot pants thing wasn't enough to draw a guy's interest. Guess what they were giving away on hot pants day where women get in for free if they wear hot pants. Mm, uh, matching blouses? Nope. They were giving guys free cameras. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is, that is awful. <laughs> so just, and I said I was going to mention, just when you thought Disco Demolition Night was as bad as it could get, Charlie Finley. I mean, this yeah. was before Disco Demolition Night, but uh, let's just pretend that he knew it was going to happen. But uh, what's worse than Hot Pants? day you might ask well it's that other teams saw this and were like hmm that's a great idea let's do it here in our ballpark and so they did the next season the rangers they of the 10 cent beer night another postponed game hey look at that hmm maybe that's a clue hmm. uh because that i'm pretty sure they started that game before yeah because yeah they got tackle the tackle at first base yeah okay so Put that in the bank when you're remembering the trivia question. Uh, they held a hot pants night of their own. Now, I saw video from the A's. They just had video of the thing. It was it was not good. Uh, I found some interviews that were held uh, during the Rangers version of this. And uh, I'm going to play you some of it. And I'm sorry in advance. Most attractive hot pants at Arlington Stadium tonight. And uh, I thoroughly agree. Uh, it's quite an honor, right, Mona? Yes, sir. <laughs> Did you have any idea that you might win when you came out tonight? No, I didn't even want to come. I thought it was going to run. <laughs> we had a lot of pretty girls here tonight, and you won out over all of them. How do you feel about it? Flabbergasted, to say the least, but I'm really excited about the whole thing. Miss Williams won the Hot Pants Award for the oldest contestant uh, in the contest. Miss Williams, how old are you? 72. Uh, so you don't mind coming out showing your legs? With the new fat in hot pants. I don't like it. My husband made me. Jeez. Again, I apologize. Husband was saving five bucks, apparently. If that's not the cringiest, creepiest thing we've ever played on this podcast, I don't know what it would be. But Charlie should have really just stuck to yellow baseballs and paying bonuses for growing mustaches. <laughs> I can't believe they actually had a contest. I can't believe they did interviews. I can't <laughs> believe they had the foresight to have a... Award for the oldest woman in hot pants. <laughs> All right. so Very uh, strange. Yeah. All right, Mark, what do you got? Well, I was, uh, I was checking. I was watching some horse racing the other day. Uh, the FanDuel came on. You know, the FanDuel Sports, mm -hmm. official gaming company of Major League Baseball. It struck me as, okay, well, it used to be MGM. 2018, it was uh, MGM was the official uh, gaming partner of Major League Baseball. And, you know, it's still going on. They're still talking about, you know, hey, here's the here's the betting line. You would win this much if you bet this much. And this baseball now, you know, kind of intertwined with gambling. And it's it wasn't always that way. I mean, I'm not talking about the uh, Shula show. Yeah, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about uh, the eight men out. Interestingly, in 1979, Willie Mays, OK, just inducted into the Hall of Fame. He was the New York Mets hitting instructor. And since he was up in the Northeast, uh, Bally's Park Place Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City hired him as a goodwill ambassador. Shake the hands of the people, show up at corporate events, charity events, this, that sort of thing. Not a full-time gig. Bowie Kuhn, who was the commissioner at the time, not a fan. 
not a fan. Did not like that going on. And uh, he said, and I quote, a casino is no place for a baseball hero and Hall of Famer. So guess what? He banned Willie Mays from baseball. Yeah, uh, Willie Mays. Hey, you can't go shake hands at casinos. Okay. So then what happens after that is, I mean, he's still working at the casino and so on. But, um, and just for what it's worth, sports gambling was not allowed in New Jersey at the time. So whatever. Four years later, Mickey Mantle was approached by the uh, Claridge Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. He was mostly going to make appearances at golf tournaments and charity events. He took the job. It didn't matter to him, to Bowie Kuhn, that Mantle uh, was just, you know, shaking hands and raising money for charity. He put him on the permanently ineligible list. Mantle said that was stupid, and boom, Kuhn banned him from, from baseball. And so now, Mantle and Mays banned from baseball. Mantle had a good quote. He said, uh, people have this picture of me standing outside the casino yelling, come on in and gamble. But my job is I do things for the March of Dimes and the Special Olympics. You know what I do is really not bad. So, but no, no, Bowie Kuhn didn't care. And uh, his, his uh, ineffective leadership, if I may say so, continued in baseball until they brought in a guy named Peter Uroth. Peter Uberoth in 84, he had spent the previous five years leading the uh, L.A. Olympics and uh, actually turned a profit on the Olympics. I believe that was the first time the Olympics had ever turned a profit. And investors got money back. So they hired Mr. Uberoth to replace Bowie Q. One of the first things that Uberoth did in 1985, he said, I'm reinstating Mantle and Mays. They're off the permanently ineligible list. Two of the most beloved and admired athletes in the country today, and they belong in baseball. Thank you, Peter Uberoth, for bringing them back. And I don't know what Bowie Kuhn was thinking, but we did get the, we did get the legends back into the game after a few years uh, of, of shaking hands and welcoming people to golf tournaments. Uh, I remember you were off. Uh, I, I would say that Bowie Kuhn, not the worst commissioner, though. Uh, that's got to be Rob Manfred. But all right. <laughs> Kuhn was pretty ineffective, but then there's Manfred. Well, Manfred's been effective, but just in bad ways. And uh, <laughs> again, my A's just I'm just so it's Yeah. All right. Yeah, you know, it surprises people to find out that Mantle and Mays were actually permanently ineligible for baseball for a few years. It's really weird. Now we are completely intertwined. Yeah, I mean. Baseball's completely intertwined with baseball. Yeah. So what do you think, Mark? I mean, there are uh, there are whole broadcasts of games that are being proposed that would just be betting broadcasts. Mm-hmm. What I do for my full time job Part of it is I'm dealing with uh, with these casinos and online uh, betting things to display live odds at venues for professional sports. There are sports books in these venues now. Yeah. I mean, it is a little bit different than, you know, the eight men out. It's a little bit different than, again, I, I think you and I are both on the same page that we believe that Shoeless Joe did not throw the 1919 World Series. Neither him nor Buck Weaver. I, I, you know, obviously some of those guys did, but I don't think, I don't think that all of them did. There are people in sports, there are athletes now that are getting not bans, but suspensions because they gambled on games in their sport. 
Yes. But they're just slaps on the wrist. You're going to miss 50 games. You're going to, you know, be right. half the season of whatever. But I mean, money talks, eh? I mean, that's, that's yeah. the whole thing behind it. Well, I, I wanted to talk about why it's not as big of a deal anymore. And, and part of it is who owns the casinos. They're all corporate now. There's no mob involvement, you know, so you, you don't, you can't really see corporations going up to uh, baseball, like a star and saying, Hey, we need you to throw this game for us. Uh, in the same manner, baseballs are, baseball players are also making $30 million a year. What are you going to bribe them with? Yeah, it's not like they're taking the subway after the game back home and then in the offseason, you know, they're a butcher to make yeah. ends meet. Right. So, yeah, Charlie absolutely. Comiskey was, was, you know, they're not paying him Charlie Comiskey money. Not anymore. All right. Uh, I got one more quick one here before we get into uh, Wax Packs Heroes. So remember a while back, Mark, I told you the story of a game at Dodger Stadium where a bag of flour dropped from the sky and landed in the outfield during a game. And to this day, nobody has a single clue where it came from. Yes. Yes. Well, I have a theory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think D.B. Cooper threw it. He was still in a plane up there and uh, he'd run out of money. So he just was yes. throwing bags of flour that he happened to have on board. That's right. All right. Well, something theory. similar happened to Japan in 2016, believe it or not. Okay. The, the Yakult Swallows, who were hosting the uh, now champion Tigers, uh, Vladimir Ballantin, former Mariner, Vladimir with a W. Vladimir with a W. <laughs> yep. Vladimir. I love to say that. Vladimir. Uh, the Swallows left fielder, or as the article I read uh, was calling them the Yakult Swallowers, which I don't know if that's dirty or if they were just thinking the Yakult, you know, uh, drink they were swallowing it like People they were drinking who it. eat and then swallow yeah. food. Yeah, I don't know. But, well, uh, Vladimir's out there in left field and uh, a fish dropped from the sky and landed near him. <laughs> That's quite a leap. Yeah. Now, this is not a goldfish, but this is like something like you see them throw over the counter at Pike Place Market in Seattle. It was a big, gotcha. pretty good sized fish. So Ballantin calls time. He leaves his position. This was apparently a very smelly fish. Uh, so strong, in fact, that he could no longer stand real close to it where he needed to in the outfield. Plus, he didn't know if somebody was flying over the stadium throwing fish at him or not. Legitimate concern. Happens. Yeah. So remember the Muppet who was a clown, I think, and he would always yeah, carry a the fish with a boomerang fish. Boomerang I think it was. fish, yeah. Oh, I love that one. Uh, so the umpires come out there and they all stand around it, staring at it with like, you know, arms crossed, hand on their uh, hand on their chin, looking at this like a bunch of bureaucrats looking at a pothole, all having great ideas how to fix it. But nobody moving to do anything about solving the problem. Uh, I, I watched video. It was, it was like fan video of this. And they're all just literally standing around there. Uh, a couple of players are coming and looking like it's a poisonous snake. Like they'll get kind of close and then they like <laughs> pull away and like go the other way. Finally, a bat boy comes out with one of those uh, those things you sweep trash into. You know, you've got yeah one in one hand. Uh, it's got like a little scooper thing that flips up when you lift it up and then a broom in the other one. You see maintenance people using them. So he comes out there and tries to sweep a fish off the outfield grass into this thing, which, of course, <laughs> takes forever because sweeping a fish off grass is probably not what these things were made for. <laughs> they were probably better tools. Uh, but just like the sack of flour, nobody knows where this fish came from. Might have been D.B. Cooper. We don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, it wasn't thrown out of the stands. Uh, the theory is that maybe a fish had just grabbed a meal and was flying over the stadium and butterfingered it. It <laughs> just dropped it there and was too, sure. emba- too embarrassed to go down and pick it up. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but just imagine if it had landed on Vladimir's head. Yeah. That would have. Oh, he would have made highlight videos for forever with that if somebody had caught it. But There's got to be a joke here, and I cannot think of it. <laughs> well, that's, well, that'll be next week's trivia question. Okay. Is give us a joke. All right, so that, that's going to do it for our Tales from the Dugout segment. Mark, it's time to head into the final segment before we can get out of here. It is time for uh, the segment that, uh, yeah, it's Wax Wax Wax. All right, so if this is your first time or you haven't heard the rules for a long time, hang in there. We're coming at you. If you're an everyday listener, just hit that fast forward button a couple of times because it takes a minute. Uh, What we're going to do, we're going to open up some baseball cards. We're going to uh, take the war from baseball reference for uh, the year of the cards. We're going to add those up. Whoever has the most at the end of each pack is going to be the winner. Currently, if we look at the scoreboard, it is 13 to 11. I am in the lead. I've got this sewn up. We're playing to 20. I am. I might not even play my stars today. I might just might be a bullpen day with position wow. players pitching. I'm so confident, but uh, we're going to do that. We're going to add those up. A uh, couple of extra rules. Anything on the player's face in the card, that means glasses, mustache, eye black, Brady Anderson, sideburns, all those kind of things. Extra tenth of a point for each. Uh, we can award an extra tenth of a point if the mustache is really top notch and thick like the one I am currently growing. Uh, also, if we can see real stirrups, meaning we see the sanitary socks as well, that's an extra tenth of a point. But two and ones are a minus tenth of a point if there was an award won in the season of the card, meaning Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, All-Star, or a Gold Glove. That's a half a point for each. If there is a Hall of Famer on the card, whether they are the focus or not, that is an extra point. If Ricky Henderson or Nolan Ryan are on the card, I get five for Ricky. Mark gets five for Nolan, regardless of whose card. Any pop culture? references we can easily find that'll be an extra uh half a point for each unless they have appeared on seinfeld the simpsons or sabrina the teenage which then you get a whole point because that's a lot of baseball going on there we're each going to also pick a team and uh, if uh, either of our team shows up in either pack we're going to get extra half a point each so mark who are you going to pick for this week's team you know in honor of the world series champions uh, the texas rangers all right, I am going to go. Um, I'm going to go with the National Slash Expos. How about that? That's fair. Okay. And I just say that because the Immaculate Grid is keeps coming up with uh, nationals, and I keep using Expos, and it's my favorite thing. Or <laughs> as some of our listeners will point out, the the Immaculate Inning does that. So. <laughs> Uh, also, if they've appeared uh, in the Mitchell Report or was suspended at any point during their career, that is a minus half a point. Now, I should mention that today, a little bit different than our usual. We've done this before. We've got a couple of packs of minor league baseball cards from 1992. Now, the way that we handle this is we are going to, uh, if they make the uh, the big leagues, we're going to take their highest war year. Hopefully, we'll get some points. So, Mark, I got a pack in my left hand and my right hand. Which one would you like? I'm going to go left. 
left. All right, I'm going to have you go first. So here we go. Uh, obviously, these are minor league teams, but uh, if uh, our club that we mentioned is uh, their affiliate, that's how we're going to get points that way. But uh, your first card is a guy that um, I believe said that he was a better center fielder than Ken Griffey Jr., uh, my favorite description of him came from the late Skip Carey, who said he would make a cup of coffee nervous. It's Chuck Carr. Chuck Carr. Chuck, I've got a fast car. Is that? Uh, <laughs> I, did I make that up or is that an existing little, little one? Tracy Chapman reference. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Chuck Carr obviously played in the big leagues. And uh, let's see, war-wise, his best year was 1993, where he came in. Uh, this was considered his rookie year. He had a cup of coffee that he made nervous, apparently, three years prior. 90, 91, and 92, he, he played in the big leagues, but not enough to qualify. Came in fourth in the rookie of the year balloting. In 1993, led the league in stolen bases as a rookie with 58. Also, with caught stealing with 22. Hit 267, a 327 on base, four home runs, 41 RBI, and a 74 OPS plus. And that is good for a war of 2.0. 2.0 solid in this game because sometimes you get zip. Definitely. Um, let's see. He's got a mustache here. Interesting. As a posed picture, he has got a very high hat on. Like, I think this could be the hat that Abraham Lincoln wore uh, that to the theater that fateful night. It's very high. Like a cone head could wear this and look normal, uh, but he's bunting. So uh, good for him. Uh, on that. Uh, he is playing for the Arkansas Travelers, who was a Cardinals uh, franchise at this point. Well, at one point was traded for Juan Gonzalez, but not the not Juan gone Juan Gonzalez. So. Different Juan Gonzalez. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, wow. Chuck Carr passed away last. Wow. November 12th last year. Almost, oh, wow. almost one year ago. All right, uh, so good start for you here uh, with these cards. Next, we have got uh, with the uh, Birmingham Barons, also where minor league minor leaguers had high hats at this point. Uh, not the drum, not the not a drum high hat, but just high caps. Let me say that uh, it's yes. Caesar Bernhardt. Uh, again, not a name I'm making up. <laughs> so Caesar Bernhardt did not make the big leagues. He's out of San Pedro de Macorís, so you can't walk off the island, but apparently uh, you also can't walk just up to the big leagues, I guess. I guess not. Uh, he played in AAA a couple of times, um, also played in the CPBL and uh, the Mexican League, so uh, Ken played all over the world, but uh, did not make it to the big leagues at any point, so uh, you are going to get a point, though, because you got a mustache, so you get a tenth of a point there. Look at that going. All right. No bonus points for being Caesar? No. No. I found a Bernard Caesar Einstein, which was the name of Einstein, Albert Einstein's son. How weird is that? Uh, it's strange, but still not worth any points. <laughs> Just, okay. You know, I'll try anything. All right. Next, uh, for the uh, Charlotte Knights, who are Cubs franchise at this point, Chris Ebright. I think I'm getting zero here. Not Chris Everett. No, it's not Chris Everett. <laughs> Uh, I let's was see. Hoping. Yeah, again, uh, no, uh, no major league experience. Did not make it above Double A in Charlotte. Uh, yeah, so hmm. Charlotte was a Double A team back in this time in 1992. Played uh, for five seasons in the minor leagues. Uh, yeah, did not make it up to the big leagues. So nothing going on there for you. 
And uh, let's see. Let's look at this card. Um, I'm going to say he's got real stirrups on. They are very close to his sock. But uh, being the expert on stirrups that I am, I think I can conclude that those are real stirrups. Uh, and they're in his pony shoes, which there is something you don't see anymore, right? Pony yeah, baseball socks. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Moving on, your next card, a uh, member of the Knoxville Blue Jays, it's Greg O'Hallorham. I believe I used to collect that guy's cards. I have a feeling he's not going to have the best war. Well, do you want another one? Another Greg O'Hallorham? Yeah, because I've got one of his cards right here. <laughs> no, I'm good. All right, well, good news for you. He made the big leagues in 1994. With the Fish, the Florida Marlins, his one season, he appeared in 12 games, 11 ABs, two hits, 182 average, one RBI, and a minus 10 OPS plus, and that'll be a minus 0.2. <laughs> nice job, dude. Listen, he made the big leagues, bro. I know, but he didn't help me, so. No, and he's wearing a very high hat again. I don't, what, what did they, what was with this? I, I want to know why that, why the high-hattedness? I don't. It was the fashion. Like Lou Pinello never bent his cap. It was just like a Yeah, but that's in style now, though, right? Is it? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You can set action figures on that thing. It was so flat. (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, Let's see. So that is going to take you to a minus two. Uh, You're at 2.1. Your next card is, uh, wow, this guy's got some big arms going here with the uh, London Tigers, the Detroit Tigers Farm Club. It is Ivan Cruz. Ivan on a sea cruise, baby? Yeah, I don't remember Ivan. A lot of cruises. Yeah, so, uh, wow, looks like he made the big leagues. Played for four years in the big leagues. Came up with the Yankees in 1997. Then he played for the Bucks in 99 and 2000, and then the Cardinals in 2002. Uh, 2002, he played the most in 17 games, so not a lot. Uh, Let's see, he did have one single year where he was positive in the war. That was 1999 with the Bucks, where he had a a .1 war, so at least it's positive. Only five games, 10 AB. Wow, we went uh, four for 10. Pretty good with a home run, two RBI, and a 172 OPS+. plus. (laughs) <laughs> which still only leads to a point one war, but he does have a mustache on here. So on like he's wearing it, but he's, he has a mustache on his face. Let me say that. Gotcha. All right. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Your next card is a stadium card. So oh, nice. I, I'm going to guess the war is not going to be high on this. Don't doubt it. Uh, let's see. It's Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, this is Tim McCarver stadium. Hmm. Honoring a native son in 1978 by renaming Blue Stadium after the 21-year big league veteran and uh, TV announcer Tim McCarver. So don't I get Tim McCarver stats? No, but uh, it does say this. It was the site of Bo Jackson's pro debut. Uh, Ah, So this is where the Memphis Chicks played. That's right. All right. So you've nothing there. You're at 2.3. Next, we have got for the uh, San Antonio Missions, who are a, a Dodgers double-A club at this point, Greg Hansel and Gretel. Ah, uh, it's an old buddy of mine. Ah. Greg Hansel. We had the same taste in music back then. We listened to a lot of Morrissey and the Smiths. Oh, okay. I was going like to say that. bad taste is what you shared, but no. But we did not. listen to a lot of metal as well, but. Well, no, metal's good. Kind of, right, yeah. we, we used to, you know, it's back when it was 
at the times where Nirvana was big and alternative was what we, we listened to alternative music. All right. Well, that's good. So he played for four years in the big leagues, uh, one with the Dodgers, one with the Twins, one with the Brewers, and one with the Bucks. Of those four seasons, he had two that were minus 0.1 and two that were a positive 0.1. <laughs> okay. So you don't even have to choose because you're going to get a positive 0.1 regardless. Hansel was uh, Mike Piazza's roommate really? in the minors. And he said Piazza loved to blast Metallica. Now that, we, yeah, we know Mike Piazza is a big metalhead. Always has been. Yeah. Uh, let's see, he was traded with Bobby Ojeda for Hubie Brooks at one point. Also invo- uh, involved in a trade that included Ron Coomer, Mark Guthrie, Kevin Tappany. Wow. He, oh, he was with the A's at one point in the minor leagues and was traded for Shane Mack. Really? Yeah. Wow. So there you go. And and, and you know him and gave us a nice little fact about him. So <laughs> yeah, That's funny. Uh, he was also went and apparently played for Han Sheen in uh, Japan. Oh, nice. Do you think he gets a ring? For this, uh, <laughs> for, for them winning it this year. Everybody affected by the curse should get a ring. Yes. Let's see. Wow, he played for, for three years in Hanshin. 2000 wow. through 2002. Must have liked it there. Uh, yeah, it looks like he, well, the first year he went 7-8 and eight with a 4.34 ERA. The next year he went 5-13, and 13, but his ERA was 3.49. Okay. And uh, then his last year, he went, uh, oh, he only appeared in five games, so maybe he was hurt. Well, that's good. That was a, fun to hear. Yeah. Uh, nothing else in the cards going to help you out, though. Uh, next, we have got for the, uh, let's see, the Wichita Wranglers, the Padres AA club, Jay Gaynor. Gaynor. Jay Front Gaynor. Is that, isn't a Gaynor like a type of dive in diving? I think so. Yeah. Played a year in the big leagues, 23 games, 1993. He went seven for 41 for a 171 average, 244 on base, three home runs. I'm going to guess they were all in Colorado. Six RBI and a 57 OPS plus, which is a war of minus 0.4. <laughs> so not good. Uh, he's wearing a high hat, no mustache. And these are all pose shots. So they're all from the waist up, unfortunately. So we don't get any, can't see any stirrup action going on. Oh, let's see. Uh, hit a home run in his very first pitch of his first major league at bat. Yeah, nice. You only get one of those. He did uh, He did something good with it. Also played in Mexico and Italy. Hmm. So you're down to your final card here, Mark. You are at two even. <laughs> you you were up close to three at one point. But you, <laughs> My you... first guy paid two. <laughs> 2.0. All right, here we go. Uh, it is a uh, pitcher for the Orlando Sunrays, the Twins double-A club at this point, Rusty Richards. Sounds like a wrestler, like a jobber, you know? <laughs> Jabroni, big time here. He and uh, the Brooklyn Brawler hang out a lot, I guess. Uh, let's see, he played for two years in the big leagues. He only got into three games, but hey, you were in the bigs, bro. Uh, 89, right. two games for the uh, for Atlanta, and then 91 game for Atlanta. Uh, let's see, his best war, uh, in 90, he had a minus point one, and in 89, a zero. So I'm good at zero. So that will <laughs> that will keep you right at two even. But I mean, it could be worse. Could be worse. There could be a, a snake in the uh, trash compactor. Well, I mean, you didn't take a negative there. Nothing else that's going to help you on this card <laughs> or anywhere else. So oh, okay. you're going to get some double A legend. 
well, I mean, you got a two even, which I think might be our lowest score ever. <laughs> We're not playing well. <laughs> well, like I said, I'm supremely confident. So here we go with uh, with my pack. All right, so here we go, Mark. Uh, I'm going to start out with a member of the Knoxville Blue Jays, who you can probably guess uh, guess who they uh, were the minor league club for. Rob- oh, I was going to say Roberto. It's just Robert Perez. Robert Perez. All right, so Robert Perez played for six years in the big leagues. Nice. Let's see. He played for Toronto for four years and then split time between Montreal, New York, Seattle, and Milwaukee. Uh, the rest of his career, his best war season. Wow. He had a minus 0.9 war season in here. Wow. <laughs> his best war season was a minus 0.1. <laughs> nice start. Yeah. Well, and there's nothing on this card that's going to help me. Wow. He looks facially a lot like um, Adrian Beltre, hmm. like a lot like Adrian Beltre. Uh, but let's see. Yeah. A minus 0.9 with the Expos. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, that's uh, not good. Uh, let's see. In that year where he did have the uh, minus 0.1, it was with the Yankees in 2001. Oh, wait, no, because he split time between the Yankees and the Brewers that year. So he had a minus 0.3. So his uh, second best season with a was a minus 0.2. So I'm, I'm going the wrong way. Those good were his start. first two years, either his first two years with Toronto. Does not help me a whole lot. Yeah, he has the nickname El Hombre Historia, the history man, because he has several all-time records in Venezuelan baseball. All right. There you go. No Rusty Richards, but all right. Yeah. All right. Next, I have got uh, for the London Tigers, Brian Cornelius. Didn't he host Soul Train? Yeah, that was him. Uh, yep, there it is. Uh, <laughs> definitely the host of uh, Soul Train. Uh, did not make the big leagues. Overall, spent a good amount of time in the majors kicking around. Also played in the CPBL a couple of different years, uh, as well as the Mexican League and the Northeast, or no, I'm sorry, the Northern League for Quebec, the Capital de Quebec. Wow, he's played in a lot of Canadian uh, cities. Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, West Manitoba, Quebec, London. He's not, uh, he, well, he might be a Canadian citizen at this point. He is from Guyana. Oh, really? I don't think there's a whole lot of baseball players from Guyana. Probably not. Just taking a, a stab in the dark here, but yeah. So uh, I'm still at minus, uh, oh wait, no, he's got a mustache. Yes. <laughs> some positives for you. I just halved my score right there. All right. Uh, next, we have got a pitcher for the Canton Akron Cleveland franchise. I'll say it that way. Uh, it is Jeff Mutis, the great Mutis, right? The wrestler is the spit green mist. Green stuff, yeah. yeah. Mutis. How do you spell that? M U T I S. It's like mucus, but different. <laughs> yeah, pretty different. Let's see, Mutis, four years in the big leagues, three with Cleveland, one with Florida. His best war season, oh, geez, is a minus 0.3. <laughs> to go along with that, he had a minus 0.4, and two, his first two seasons in the big leagues, he had a minus 0.6. But uh, they still, uh, well, he's a lefty pitcher. There you go. Okay. All you need to know, left-handed yeah. pitcher. 
This is reminding the scores are reminding me of the days we used to look up our cards in Beckett. Yep. This is this is pretty wow. He was a first round draft pick by Cleveland in 1988 as well. So that might be another reason why he got the chances that he got. Yeah. After he retired from baseball, he completed his economics and business degree at Lafayette, making the dean's list. Economics? Is that like Robin Yunt? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, Mark, I love you. I'm just... Economics. I have, to make, I have to make fun of you. Uh, all right. So uh, the great Moodus is there. Next, we have got for the Wichita Wranglers, the Padres AA club, J.D. Noland. Not hitting a whole lot here, are we? No, no, not on this one. Uh, J.D. never made the big leagues either, although he did get to Tacoma in 1995 with the Mariners. Huh. After that, though, he was done. At age 26, uh, he was uh, done with baseball. That one I don't remember. So uh, J.D., now a motivational speaker, author, business owner, entrepreneur, life confidence coach, and NLP practitioner. I am not sure what that stands for. Want to make something up? Um, no, because it says uh, at 28 years of spiritual scholarly, scholarly, I can't say that word, scholarly research. Don't want to step on anybody's toes there. He is mastering the six pillars of life. Well, good for him. Yeah, if you live in his best life there, he's got a wife and kids. So, all right, JD. Nick, oh, this one might help me right here. That's me tapping the cards here. When you hear that, by the way, that's uh, that's my homage to uh, Dave Letterman, I guess. Remember when Top Tensy uh-huh. always tap those cards? I do, yep. I do that a lot. But here, pitcher for the Wichita Wranglers, Tim Worrell. Oh, sure. Yeah, you might have hit something here. Yeah, this might be our, our first big card here. Tim Worrell, 14 years in the big leagues. Five with the Padres, four with the Giants, two with the Phils, two with the A's, and then parts of uh, a year with the D-backs, Cubs, Cleveland, Baltimore, and Detroit. His best war season, 1996 with the Padres, a 2.8. Oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, remember I was at minus 0.4. So That's right. <laughs> I have overtaken you, but I have been heading backwards quickly. Uh, let's see, 1996, he went 9-7 and seven as a reliever. It's a okay. lot of decisions. In fact, that was the most decisions in a single year for his entire career. 3.05 ERA, 121 innings in 50 appearances. So he wasn't closing. He was, looks like he was almost a long middle reliever. 109 hits, 99 strikeouts, a 131 ERA plus, and as I said, a 2.8 war. He was traded for Don Wall, which I read as Don Paul at first and got excited. I used Don Paul, by the way, in an Immaculate Grid this week. Nice. Very proud of myself. Very low score. <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah. Uh, brother of Todd Worrell. I think mm-hmm. Todd would have probably even gotten me more. Uh, yeah, I think so. 19, uh, June 13th, 1997, both he and Todd earned a save that day, not for the same team, obviously, <laughs> becoming yeah. the second pair of brothers to do so on one day. Who is oh. the uh, first pair? Uh, I do not know. It says Diaz brothers, but I'm waiting for the page to load. Guessing it's not Edwin and... Uh... So, there's, uh, so there's two brothers with the last name of Diaz that both 
had a save on the same day as well. That's that's our trivia question for two weeks away. All right, next uh, for the New Britain Red Sox, Jeff McNeely. Not Jeff McNeil, Jeff McNeely. Mr. McFeely. Speedy delivery. That's right. <laughs> Anybody that picked up that reference, you are old. If you understood that reference, you probably have a bad back and knees. <laughs> Let's see, Jeff McNeely... He's uh, got some major league time. 1993 with the Boston Red Sox. 21 games. He hit 297. 409 on base. He went 11 for 37. A double, a triple, a ribby, six stolen bases, no caught stealing, and a 109 OPS plus. And that is good for a war of .2. And he's got a mustache, so that'll be a .3. What happened here? Yeah, seriously, he had a pretty good year. Uh, he was traded in 94 by Boston to St. Louis for Luis Alisea. He did not go and play elsewhere, like overseas. So he had that great year in Boston. Then next year, he spent it entirely in Pawtucket. In 95, uh, he was in the St. Louis. As I said, he was traded for Alisea. St. Louis A at Louisville the entire year. And then in 96, he went from Louisville and Midland, and that was it. Didn't play anywhere else. Uh, let's see if we can figure out what happened. Uh, he runs the Charlotte Megastars Baseball Club, where he has helped over 350 players receive baseball scholarships. That's cool. That's good for you. Good for you, Jeff. I like, I like that. Like your first name? So I'm at 2.7. I've got two cards, no, three cards left. That's a little much for me. I'd prefer just to have one. <laughs> All right, so my next card here is uh, with the San Antonio Missions, who was a Dodgers farm club at this point, and it is pitcher Bill Benet. Now, we have been for the past 10 to 15 minutes trying to find out who this guy is, because his (laughs) last name is spelled B-E-N-E. So we're thinking, is this a Billy Bean or Bill Bean, of two of which we can think of that are pretty... I'm guessing a lot of our listeners know the two Billy Beans that we are thinking of, but no, this is, his last name is pronounced Benet. Uh, He never appeared in the big leagues. He was the first overall draft pick for the Dodgers, or first round draft pick for the Dodgers in 1988. He's a pitcher. He's got a, uh, he's got a number one draft pick rookie card even from Topps. I I don't want to tell you too much because this guy is going to have to be a story in in the next, uh, in the next Tales from the Dugout. (laughs) He's got some interesting stuff about him. He is an interesting guy that uh, has been in trouble with the law. And uh, we'll tell you why next next Tales from the Dugout. Yeah, it's all you ever saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day he was born. Well, maybe not since the day he was born, but yeah. Oh, those are the Duke brothers. Never mind. (laughs) Duke boys. But uh, (laughs) point being, he he did not play in the big leagues. He doesn't have anything on this card that is going to help nor hurt me. So I'm going to stay at 2.7 with two cards left. All right. Next, we've got a guy for the Orlando Sunrays, which is a twins club at that point. I have never seen this before. His first name is just J period, not JD, not JR. This isn't a Mr. T situation where that's his last name. It's just J dot Owens. Not Jayhawk Owens. It's not Jayhawk Owens. Ah, That's a good poll there. Old catcher for the Rockies. Yes. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Well, Jayhawk Owens is, of course, who uh, Baseball Reference wants me to look at, but. And I don't think this is the Jim Owens that uh, died or that was uh, born in 1934. 
Wow. I don't know. He might be in the witness relocation program because at no point on this card does it give me his full name. Weird. Uh, this guy does not exist. So <laughs> right if, if you just type in Jay Owens into baseball reference, you get Jerry Owens, who made his debut in 2006. You get the aforementioned Jayhawk Owens. You get Jim Owens, who played from 55 to 67. Judge Owens, who presided in 1943, and Jack Owens from 1935. Probably none of those guys. Yeah, this guy is a ghost. I, he must have joined the CIA or something. Yep, all reference has been scrubbed. It really has. He has done the uh, he's done the thing that nobody else can do and completely removed himself from the internet. Crazy. All right. Well, uh, nothing on this card is going to help or hurt me, and that takes <clears throat> I me. I think to that's my, a minus nine if you're not. <laughs> it's going to take me to my last card. Member of the Shreveport Captains, a Giants club at that point. I don't think we had an Expos Nats or a Rangers this entire thing. Uh, pitcher Dan Carlson, uh, wasn't he the big guy on WKRP in Cincinnati? <laughs> We are showing yes. our age. Again, if you got yeah, that reference, uh, you're probably taking uh, some some silver vitamins every night. Yeah. Let's see. Dan Carlson uh, appeared in the big leagues. Uh, four years in the big leagues, two with the Giants, one with the Rays, one with the Diamondbacks. Not a whole lot of games on any of those. His best season was a 0.0 war. I like that. Now you got to be happy with that. Yeah, because uh, the, uh, the other three seasons, minus 0.2, minus 0.3, minus 0.4. So uh, I will take that. Briefly played for the Dragons in Japan, appearing in two games, no runs, one hit, and two and a third innings, and uh, requested a leave of absence due to illness in his family. But they said, instead, we're just going to release you. He got his leave of absence. Yeah, he did. Just a really long one. Uh, So there we go. That is going to be it. And uh, that is going to be a 2.7 for me, which, you know, I made fun of your 2.even. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't do a whole heck of a lot better, but my cockiness paid off and uh, I no will take the win. 14 to 11 is where we stand now on the leaderboard. So, yeah, these uh, these double A cards aren't great. I'm not going to lie. The triple A cards have were, to fire a manager. Here. Yeah, the triple A cards give us a lot more uh, names we yeah. recognize. So it was worth a shot. Yeah. So we're going to mix it up a little bit. Uh, all right, so that's going to wrap up this edition of Wax Packs Heroes. Also going to wrap up this week's episode. I'd like to thank everybody again for joining. Uh, you can find out how to get a hold of us. Look at the show notes. There's a bunch of ways you can do it there. I need to remember to start looking at our Facebook messages. Uh, again, if you know the answer to this week's trivia question, or if you asked the question and have not provided me the answer, please do so immediately. Uh, but uh, beyond that, we just look at an email address, Mark. Yes, two strike noise. Spell it out, T-W-O, strike noise, at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Hope everybody's enjoying the off-season, or if you're just like us, patiently, well, not so patiently, just staring at the calendar, waiting for spring training to start next year. (laughs) That's right. uh, Yeah, that'll do it. Thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. 